Welcome back to the Spartan Pride Podcast. I am Jonathan Shop here on the Fans First Sports Network. Today, we're going to continue our look back at the 2013 Michigan State Spartans. Chase It Again is the name of the substack. And on that substack, we are looking back week by week at what was going on at Michigan State football in 2013 as the Spartans, of course, go on to a very special and surprising 13-1 season, Big Ten champions, Rose Bowl champions as well. We are going week by week, looking back at the repostings of the articles I wrote that year, which... Boy, it does seem like a long time ago now when you look at college football, but it was only a decade. And Michigan State came off a 2012 season that left people wanting more and looking at a team that was not yet complete, the start of 2013 wasn't too different. After a less than exciting 26-13 over Western Michigan, the Friday night of Labor Day, the Spartans hosted South Florida, USF, and we're really looking for some serious improvement. You know, as we look at that article, and I encourage you to check it out if you are a hardcore Michigan State football historian, there was a lot of angst. You know, Michigan State was 11th out of 12 in offense in week one when you look at the Big Ten. Only Purdue was worse. And Purdue got hammered that week by Cincinnati to open their 2013 season. Two touchdowns of the Spartans in the opener were provided by the defense. If you remember Shalik Calhoun specifically, if you remember Curtis Drummond out there doing work. And Michigan State offense did not look very good in week one. So as we looked to week two, we were looking at the offense needing to get explosive and who the quarterback would be. Michigan State really didn't look terribly organized coming into week one. And in week two, we were looking for some clarity. There was a competition, if you will, between Cook, Andrew Maxwell, and Tyler O'Connor, although Damian Terry was close enough that he was listed as another or on the old Coach D depth charts. And we all know how valuable those could be and how seriously Coach D took those, especially early in the week and early in the season. Only Cook and Maxwell played the first week and D'Antonio was talking about each player needed to assert themselves to try to take over that starting role. But there was something he said between week one and week two that mattered. He did not say that each player needed any in-game action. So that left a tough spot for Tyler O'Connor who looked like more of a um, run-pass option. And at that point, we really wanted to get a look at O'Connor because you didn't really know what you had. This was 2013, but by then it was pretty commonplace for the D'Antonio era to maybe have some quarterbacks who we didn't really know what they could do. And really, you wanted to see what they could do sooner or later. You wanted to know whether Tyler O'Connor could play or what he could do. Same with Connor Cook and to some extent even Damian Terry, although at this stage of the program development for Michigan State, it would have been a problem if they had three major college quarterbacks, as D'Antonio described them, not ready for play. Michigan State, with the new co-coordinators, after an offseason, knowing their offense had to get better, 
did not start very well, and a lot of eyes were peeled as to who would play and how much against South Florida in that second week. With such a, a limited offensive performance in week one in 2013, you couldn't really tell much about the running game. You couldn't really tell much about the receivers either relative to whether they were going to drop the ball a lot and who would really emerge as a star from the group. So there was a lot of a lot of eyes and ears looking for answers for the offense as they went into week two at South Florida. And not many questions about the defense, as we know. That was the star of the first week of 2013. We're going to talk about the defense and looking back at this article, the outlook moving forward, South Florida, week two of the 2013 season. Here on the Spartan Pride Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Jonathan Schott back here with you on the Spartan Pride Podcast. If you are listening to this podcast, you are probably a super fan and you have probably already checked out or should check out soon. A look back at the 2013 Spartans on my Substack, a 2013 Outlook Moving Forward Week 2 USF. Pat Narduzzi had things going by this point. The defense was a known quantity. Just the question was, who would be the stars? Well, week two, USF, they got dialed up a bit. One for 13 on third down efficiency. That's with South Florida. That means Michigan State knocked South Florida off the field 12 out of 13 times on third down. USF went for it on fourth down once. That didn't work. Of course, there was a famous interception and probably the best interception in the history of Spartan Stadium by Curtis Drummond and 89 yards rushing, 155 total yards, and Michigan State beat South Florida 21-6 in a game that was not that close. As we were looking ahead to that week, you know, we talked about some of the top plays this unit would become known for and also competition. So this was Urban Meyer's second year at Ohio State, as we all remember. We all remember what happened in the first year of Urban Meyer's tenure at Ohio State with Curtis Drummond and an infamous fumble whistle, if you will. But I remember that week talking to Urban Meyer, and he talked about the idea and the goal of being three deep at every position. And this still holds very true in modern college football, so it is worth revisiting. And to be honest with you, as we always are, on this podcast the nfl would do really well to expand their game day rosters to be at least three deep at each position three deep at each position based on my math would be 66. give me four specialists at the nfl level and you got a game day roster of 70. that's a topic for another show it's a topic that's come up before But Meyer talked about how important, and I've got the quote in the article, it is to have three deep and be three deep at each position. Each position needing three deep is the goal of any major college football team. It's becoming more difficult to do with the current status of the transfer portal, roster shuffling, coach shuffling, etc. Curtis Drummond's catch in the opener at Michigan State on the Friday of Labor Day against Western, probably past Charles Woodson's highlight that you see on TV over and over from 1997, where he, he certainly jumped very high to pick off, I believe, a Todd Schultz pass. But the drum and catch in week one was insane. 
and he was a guy just beginning to find himself a real opportunity to play at the NFL level, which, of course, he did. The special teams for Michigan State was okay in the opener, but there really wasn't much to look at. There was a botched snap and a wet conditions. If you remember that Labor Day, it was a little bit wet. And there was still real pressure on the special teams after week one. There were uncertainty at the kicking positions, who was going to place kick, who was going to kick off. There was no uncertainty at all for punter Mike Sadler, who was a tremendous kicker even very early in his career, tremendous punter even very early in his career, and, and that really never changed. Here's one for you. Darian Harris was listed alongside Nick Hill as a potential kick returner. Harris, of course, goes on to play linebacker at Michigan State and have a lot of success, and he has a position inside the program today. I wonder what he thinks about his kick returning prospects and if he ever got enough reps or looks as a kick returner. That would have been something to see, and it was possible. That's how far this team came in 2013. It was possible going into week two. As crazy as that sounds, for a guy that was a decorated linebacker, that's how possible it was. There was pressure mounting on Michigan State football after a less than inspiring week one. And there were calls by this author to go ahead and start to play 60 minutes pretty much at full speed. Don't hold anything back. Don't save anything for Notre Dame. Let, let's see what this team has because it's frankly not good enough to keep things in reserve. Mark D'Antonio did that a lot. It worked very well. There was a time and place in college football and at the major college football level where that was done. That may sound crazy today. If you're a student and you're just getting to know Michigan State football and the landscape of college football. It may sound crazy, but that was not crazy back then. Um, today, you wouldn't see anybody hold much of anything back. Those days are gone and unlikely to come back. Michigan State football was accused of playing the scoreboard and not playing the clock. And it was time it seemed to go ahead and play the game and just accept whatever the score was, 59 to six, 21 to six, whatever. And there was also calls to see what Tyler O'Connor could do because the offense was so deficient for more than a season that they really had to get going, really had to find out what they had. This is also a note worth looking at in the overall section of the outlook moving forward. We're talking about the Substack, Spartan Pride podcast, Substack. Chase it again, a look back at the 2013 Michigan State Spartans. And that is a note from Nick Saban. And we'll talk about that next as we wrap this edition up here on the Spartan Pride podcast, the fans' first sports network. After the opening victory Alabama had in Atlanta over Virginia Tech, Nick Saban made a big, long, strong point to say, my team is not the same as the last two as we go for a third title in a row at Alabama. And what you need to know is this team needs to have its own identity. So we need our fans to understand that and support this team finding their own identity. The reason I threw that in that 
overall section of the outlook moving forward was Michigan State football at this time after a disappointing 2012 and not much looking different to start 2013 needed an identity. They needed to find their identity and not be stuck in 2012, be stuck in uh, late 90s, be stuck in trestle ball of the early 2000s. They needed to find their own identity. And there were members of the vast Spartan nation, and you may be one of them, that were not super happy about what they had seen in week one and were concerned that the 2013 team might actually take a step back from the 2012 team. So it was time for Michigan State to start sharpening their sword and showing their identity. If you don't establish an identity as a college football team, your record and results will end up defining one for you and usually not the one that you'd like. That's a line I had to close that article. If you go way back now, 2013, you remember a couple things I mentioned in the perhaps another thought section. Spartan Football All Access made the decision to go with a narrator. For those that enjoyed that show, there was a couple years there where there was no narrator. It was unique. There was nothing like it on TV. There was no weekly show covering a college football team or program that was like that. They got a narrator, and I didn't think it helped. I still don't think it helped. There still isn't a show like that, and I don't even know if they have shows like that in the modern times um, that didn't have a narrator or a host, and that was pretty cool. 2013 also was a different time in college football relative to Labor Day weekend. We now know it as an absolute feature weekend for the sport. It was really just evolving to become that in the early 2010s, and some people weren't even aware of it. By now, we are all aware of it. How big a deal Labor Day weekend is for college football? How many great matchups we're going to see? Of course, this Labor Day weekend, we're going to see Ohio State and Notre Dame, and we're going to see a number of other high level marquee games and we will also see the back-to-back defending national champion georgia bulldogs well folks that was not the case in 2013. in 2013 georgia was trying to figure out how to beat south carolina and trying to figure out how to keep up with those in the I-85 corridor, if you will. Talking about Alabama, Auburn, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Clemson. Georgia in 2013 gets off to a shaky start. Looks like a team that may lose five football games. It's hard to believe right now, but it's true. That's where Georgia football was in 2013. And this year, as they start the improbable quest of trying to three-peat Obviously, they have extraordinary challenges off the field stemming from a number of unfortunate incidents uh, really starting in the day of their championship parade. So the odds are already so long against the three-peat. But it is interesting when you look back at these articles to see what was going on in the world of college football 10 years ago. Week two, USF. We're looking back at the Outlook moving forward, the article series I did for Spartan Nation for 13 years plus. 2013, of course, 
maybe the most fun of all, arguably the most fun of all. And we're looking back at these articles. This is the second in the series. We are going to take it all the way up to late August to just before the 2023 season starts as we look back at the 13-1 and Big Ten and Rose Bowl championship team that Mark D'Antonio led for Michigan State football. This is the Spartan Pride podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. We will be back soon talking Michigan State athletics A to Z all over the place, football, basketball, etc. And we'll be back next week with another look back at the 2013 Michigan State football Spartans. We're going to chase it again right here on the Fans First Sports Network.